Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples' Journey. This episode will cover section 13 of the Doctrine and Covenants, and uh, it's, you know, section or verses 66 and 75 through 75 of Joseph Smith history. I probably won't touch too much on those um, because I'm going to kind of just tell the story, which section or verses 66 through 75 of Joseph Smith history is telling the story of what happens and what led up to Section 13. Section 13 is one verse long. It is the words of John the Baptist, Oliver, and Joseph. They had um, been translating the Book of Mormon. They've come across multiple verses and sections and chapters about baptism, and they're wondering, what do we need to do to be baptized? What does this mean? They go out. They pray. John the Baptist um, appears to them, restores the Aaronic priesthood, and... Joseph and Oliver then baptize each other. So one thing I want to point out is they'd been translating, they'd been receiving revelation, but both of them record that after this moment, their eyes were opened and their minds were opened and they began to understand verses of scripture, both in the Book of Mormon and the Bible and revelations from God in general, uh, much more and in a way that they could not have understood them before this happened. As we make and keep sacred covenants, through ordinances, through priesthood ordinances is how we make covenants, sacrament, baptism, endowment, sealing. These are these are priesthood ordinances where the power of godliness can be manifest in our life. And one of the ways that, that, that godliness is manifest is through revelation. But as we make as we undertake those ordinances and undertake those covenants through or, through ordinance. Our minds can be opened. We receive the Spirit. We receive spiritual gifts greater than we could. And we we have a capacity to receive them, at least, in a greater way than we could have before. Oliver said this about their experience with John the Baptist. He said, On a sudden, as from the midst of eternity, the voice of the Redeemer spake peace to us. While the veil was parted and the angel of God came down, clothed with glory, and delivered the anxiously looked-for message and the keys of the gospel of repentance. What joy, what wonder, what amazement. While the millions, while, excuse me, while the world was racked and distracted, while millions were groping as the blind for the wall, and while all men were resting upon uncertainty, as a general mass our eyes beheld, our ears heard, as in the blaze of days, yes, more, above the glitter of the May sunbeam, which then shed its brilliancy over the face of nature. Then his voice, though mild, pierced to the center, and his words, I am thy fellow servant, dispelled every fear. We listened, we gazed, we admired. T'was the voice of an angel from from glory. T'was a message from the Most High. And as we heard, we rejoiced, while his love enkindled upon our souls, and we were wrapped in the vision of the Almighty. Where was room for doubt? Nowhere. Uncertainty had fled, doubt had sunk, no more to rise, while fiction and deception had fled forever. But, dear brother, think further that for a moment what joy filled our hearts, and with what surprise we must have bowed. For who would not have bowed the knee for such a blessing when we received under his hand the holy priesthood? Now, the verse from section 13 in its entirety. Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of the Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance and of the baptism and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. We're going to take a few bits of this and work through it here. First bit is this. 
Uh, what does it mean for, uh, until the sons of Levi offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness? Well, first of all, who are the sons of Levi? Levi? Uh, so here's here's something pretty awesome. I've got three. Uh, I've got one, two, three, four quotes, and they're all from Joseph Smith. One of them happens to be Joseph Fielding Smith. One of them happens to be the prophet Joseph Smith. And one of them happens to be Joseph F. Smith. But that's all right. So we're going to start with a Joseph Fielding Smith quote, Who are the sons of Levi? After the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and while they were sojourning in the wilderness, Moses received a commandment from the Lord to take Aaron and his sons and ordain them and consecrate them as priests to the people. See Exodus 28. At that time, the males of the entire tribe of Lehi were chosen to be priests instead of the firstborn of all tribes, and Aaron and his sons were given the presidency over the priesthood thus conferred. Since that time, it has been known as the priesthood of Aaron, including the Levitical priesthood. So the sons of Levi, it has a direct reference to the Aaronic priesthood, okay? So what is meant by the sons of Levi offering an offering of righteousness unto the Lord? It is generally, this is from Joseph Smith. It is generally supposed that the sacrifice was entirely done away when the great sacrifice, i.e. the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, was offered up and that there will be no necessity for the ordinance of the sac- of sacrifice in the future. But those who assert this are certainly not acquainted with the duties, privileges, and authority of the priesthood or the prophets. The offering of sacrifice has been connected and forms a part of the duties of the priesthood. It began with the priesthood and will be continued until after the coming of Christ from generation to generation. These sacrifices, as well as every ordinance belonging to the priesthood, will, when the temple of the Lord shall be built and the sons of Levi be purified, be fully restored and attended to in their powers of ram- and ramifications and blessings. This ever did did and ever will exist when the powers of the Melchizedek priesthood are sufficiently manifest. Else how can the restitution of all things be spoken of by the holy prophets be brought to pass? It is not to be understood that the law of Moses will be established again with all, its, all of its rites and, vari- and variety of ceremonies. This has never been spoken of by the prophets, by, but those things which existed prior to Moses' day, namely sacrifice, will be continued. So it's not going to be a restoration of the law of Moses, but a restoration of sacrifice must take place so that, all, so that the restoration of all things uh, can truly take place. Uh, in relation to this, um, President Joseph Fielding Smith said, We are living in the dispensation of the fullness of times, into which all things are to be gathered and all things are to be restored since the beginning. Even this earth is to be restored to the condition which prevailed before Adam's transgression. Now, in the nature of things, the law of sacrifice will have to be restored, or all things which were decreed by the Lord would not be restored. It will be necessary, therefore, for the sons of Levi, who offered the blood sacrifices anciently in Israel, to offer such a sacrifice again to round out and complete this ordinance in this dispensation. Sacrifice by the shedding of blood was instituted in the days of Adam, and of necessity will have to be restored. The sacrifice of animals will be done to complete the restoration when the temple spoken of is built at the beginning of the millennium or in the restoration Blood sacrifices will be performed long enough to complete the fullness of the restoration in this dispensation. Afterwards, sacrifice will be of some other character. I did have another quote from Joseph F. Smith, but we're going to skip it. And we're going to and I'll just summarize and say, look, it's, it seems pretty clear that what John the Baptist was saying is that the law of sacrifice would be restored. Uh, but Joseph Smith and Joseph Fielding Smith make it clear that that will be a temporary thing so that all things 
so we can truly say that all things were restored. Otherwise, the prophets have been lying to us all along about the, the dispensation of the fullness of times. How is the Aaronic priesthood connected to the ministering of angels and the gospel of repentance and the end of baptism by immersion and for the remission of sins? How are those things all connected? I've got another pretty lengthy quote here. It's from a great talk. Uh, again, you know, I've said in the previous episodes, with a short study content this week, I encourage you to take the opportunity to find some other resources to study, obviously staying within uh, church-produced materials. But this is from a talk in 1998 by Elder Oaks, then Elder Oaks, now President Oaks, called The Ironic Priesthood and the Sacrament, uh, October 1998. It's pretty lengthy, but it's really good. And, I mean, basically, I'll, I'm actually going to summarize it before, because then afterwards I'm not going to summarize it, because I feel like if I read it and then try to summarize it, I will not do it justice. Basically, what he says is, the Aaronic Priesthood gives us access to ordinances of baptism. What are we baptized for? Remission of our sins. Uh, what do we do to prepare for baptism? We repent. So it gives, the Aaronic Priesthood gives us access to that ordinance, and it gives us access to the sacrament. Think about the priests and the deacons and teachers who administer the sacrament. That's all under the uh, authority of the and keys of the uh, Aaronic priesthood, baptism, Aaronic priesthood. So, the gospel of repentance and remission of our sins and baptism—that's that's under the Aaronic priesthood. And he also is going to touch on the ministry of angels that. Uh, by being worthy of the Spirit, we are actually also worthy to be ministered to by angels. And I would say that Christ died for us. And if we read in 35 chapter 11, uh, in John chapter 17, he prays that those of, that were that the Father chosen out of the world for him, that they might be one with him, as he is one with the Father and as the Holy Ghost is one with them and that they are one God and their unity, right? He preaches this, he prays about this unity and he wants us to be unified with him. And that's what the at-one-ment atonement is for. Well, if angels have achieved this at-one with Christ and with God and with the Holy Ghost, then they can whisper things to us and we can hear them. And we might say, the Spirit whispered this to me or gave me this thought. When in reality, it was an unseen angel. That's part of the ministry of angels. And as we are worthy of the Spirit, we are worthy to be ministered to by angels. And as we partake of the sacrament, an Aaronic priesthood ordinance, the Aaronic priesthood that was restored by John the Baptist to Joseph and Oliver. As we partake of the sacrament, what promises do we make? What promises does the Lord make? The Lord promises us that we, as we keep our part, that we might always have his spirit to be with us. As we are baptized for remission of our sins and we are purified, would we, would we receive the Holy Ghost after that we might receive the Holy Ghost and have his spirit to be with us always is another way of saying that we might also be worthy to have angels minister to us. I'm going to come back and I'm going to touch more on ministry of angels specifically, but I kind of wanted to preface this longer quote from Elder Oaks. He said, 
What does it mean that the Aaronic priesthood holds the keys of the ministering of angels and the gospel of repentance and baptism and the remission of sins? The meaning is found in the ordinance of baptism in the sacrament. Baptism is for the remission of sins, and the sacrament is a renewal of covenants and blessings of baptism. Both should be preceded by repentance. When we keep the covenants we made in these ordinances, we are promised that we will always have His Spirit to be with us. The ministering of angels is one of the manifestations of the Spirit. As a young holder of the Aaronic Priesthood, I did not think I would see an angel, and I wondered what such appearances had to do with the Aaronic Priesthood. But the ministering of angels can also be unseen. Angelic messages can be delivered by a voice or merely thoughts or feelings communicated to the mind. Most angelic communications are felt or heard rather than seen. In general, the blessings of spiritual companionship and communication are only available to those who are clean. As explained earlier, though, through the Aaronic Priesthood, ordinances of baptism and sacrament, we are cleansed of our sins and promise that if we keep the covenants, we will always have His Spirit to be with us. I believe that that promise not only refers to the Holy Ghost, but also to the ministering of angels. For angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. So it is those who hold the Aaronic Priesthood open the door for all church members who are worthily, who worthily partake of the sacrament to enjoy the companionship of the Spirit of the Lord and the ministering of angels. So there you have it. Uh, what else did he say in his talk? He said, Not one of us has lived without the sin since our baptism. Without some provision for further cleansing after our baptism, each of us has lost things, lost two things spiritual. We are commanded to repent of our sins and to come to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and to partake of the sacrament with compliance with its covenants. When we renew our baptismal covenants in this way, the Lord renews the cleansing effect in our baptism. In this way, we are made clean and can always have His Spirit to be with us. We cannot overstate the importance of the Aaronic Priesthood in this. All of these vital steps pertaining to the remission of sins are performed through the saving ordinance of baptism and the renewing ordinance of the sacrament. Both of these ordinances are officiated by holders of the Aaronic Priesthood under the direction of the bishopric who exercise the keys of the gospel of repentance and of baptism and of the remission of sins. That is how the Aaronic Priesthood relates. That is what John the Baptist uh, returned to the earth. Now, Joseph and Oliver both said after this experience, their minds were opened. They received greater light and intelligence and information. Why? Because they had the priesthood. Why? Because they had been baptized. As we undertake and make and keep sacred covenants through priesthood ordinances, man or woman, male or female, we access the power of God. And that's manifest to us in through the Spirit, through spiritual gifts, through uh, the ministering of angels to us. And it allows us to then also be ministering angels. Wolford Woodruff said, I desire to impress upon you the fact that it does not make any difference whether a man is a priest or an apostle. If he magnifies his calling, a priest holds the keys of ministering of angels. Never in my life as an apostle, as a seventy, or as an elder have I ever had more of the protection of the Lord than while holding the office of a priest. All right, I want to say something, and I'm going to be try to be careful with my words to, so as to stay on true doctrine here. Men, would, for men to go to the temple and be endowed, we have to have an additional step. We have to be given the Melchizedek priesthood. Women don't. 
But women in the temple make the exact same covenants as men. They, men and women undertake the same promises. The, we, we receive the same knowledge. Uh, the sealing ordinance is the same for man. I mean, they're like, you're, they're, we undertake the same covenants is what I'm saying. We, for all intents and purposes, right? But men have to receive something else, extra and a special and additional. So that what that tells me is that that extra special additional thing, this Melchizedek priesthood that we receive, isn't necessary for us to to make the covenants. Well, I said so I'll retract that. It's in addition to this the covenants that we make in the endowment. And the point that I am trying to get to is that. Women, although not ordained to an office in the priesthood, have the same access to the ministering of angels, have the same access to the power of God, have the same access to the spiritual gifts granted by God, have the same access to the priesthood power, which is the power of God given to man. That's what the priesthood is. That power, that priesthood power, is given to us through ordinances, through covenants that men and women make. And so as Woodrow, Woodrow, Wilford Woodruff, not Woodrow Wilson, guys, not Woodrow Wilson, Wilford Woodruff said, I desire to impress upon you the fact that it does not make any difference whether a man is a priest or an apostle. If he magnifies his calling, a priest holds the keys of ministering of angels. Never in my life as an apostle or a seventy as an elder have I had more of the protection of the Lord than while holding the office of a priest. The same can be said for all women and for all members of the church who have made sacred covenants. As you keep them, you have access to that power. Plain and simple. And with that comes responsibility, absolutely. And I would turn I would I want to end the, this episode by just encouraging you to read or listen to at least Elder Holland's talk, The Ministry of Angels, that he gave uh, in, I think, spring of 2008. Uh, And he talks about how we can all be, part of what he talks about, I should say, is that we can all and should be ministering angels. As we make and keep sacred covenants, we receive humility and become humble, and receive spiritual gifts, receive revelation in greater uh, measure, it allows us to become saviors on Mount Zion. It allows us not only to receive the ministering of angels, but also to call down the ministry of angels for ourselves and for others and to be ministry uh, ministering angels, to be saviors on Mount Zion, as Obadiah said. And so as we have that additional ability to receive revelation, we should use it for the good of those around us and say, Father, who can I serve and how can I serve them? Help me see how I can serve them. And then as we get up and we are active and we are about doing good, you can bet that the things that we do for other people that we may not even recognize are going to be an answer to prayer. And if if an answer to prayer, then a miracle. And if a miracle, then how is that different than had an actual angel from God's presence come down and done it? Um, 
I think I think that's uh we're all we're all end. I'm sorry. I've, I've been I've been just kind of racking my brain here and just make sure there's nothing else that I feel prompted to say. Uh, checking my notes, make sure that I've covered what I want to cover. My intent in in this podcast has been and always will I'll strive to be that I want to I hope that I share something a little nugget that just hits you in the right way that says I want to learn more about that a spark. No matter where you are in your journey of study, no matter how much time you study each day, your study habits, your study behaviors, my intent and purpose is to invite you to take a step further into st- into your studies. And so I'm, I share the things that I have enjoyed. I share the things that I feel prompted to share. I share the things that I learned and that I and that taught me in my study. Right? Those are the things that I come and share on the podcast. That doesn't mean that it's everything. It doesn't mean that it's everything that I learned. It's just my hope that one of these things hits you like a spark, lights a fire, and you say, "I want to learn more about that. I want to go and study this scripture and go to the, this cross reference and." Have the Lord then, through the Spirit, and through, dare I say, angels, teach you what you need to know for your life and for your family's life. I hope that you're able to, to find that this week. I hope that I'm able to help um, in through this through the podcast, through talking into this little black microphone. I thank you for all, all for listening. Uh, I'll join you next week, and I hope you join me as we study sections 14 through 17 of the Doctrine and Covenants. It's four sections, but again, not very long. And so find find some awesome material to study, because you're going to want to rely on some additional materials moving forward. Extra conference talks, the Institute Manual, uh, the book Saints, whatever it may be. Um, but I thank you for listening and for your your, your testimonies and, and examples. Join me next week, and best of luck this week in your study.